All right, exhale, but really this is about extend and expanding. And so we're talking about the idea of growth and enlargement. And that's where we started the year. And, you know, we're just building on that. Last week, some of you recall that um, we talked about how the way of Jesus was not something that was supposed to be joyless, but joyful. How he taught us that, it was, that following him was to be like a wedding and was to have life in it. And now I want to talk about something close to that, but really also a little bit connected, but not just the way in which we are supposed to approach life joyfully for Christ, but I want us to think about our life. I want to talk about the metaphor that Jesus used for your life and mine. I want to talk about the house we are building and the significance of a foundation and what that means. Some people think that of all the teachings that Jesus gave us, the one that we're about to look at in terms of its larger context was the most beautiful of them all. Certainly comprehensively, nothing can really match what is known as and what Bible theologians call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount covers three chapters, in the, in, at least in Matthew's gospel. You know, it covers the chapters five through seven. It just gives us this panoramic view of the kingdom of Jesus and what it really looks like to live a life, a life that is truly life for God. And in this, so I, I look at it, I go, there's so much in here. It's almost like a giant, you know, kind of contain, it contains all these wonderful truths. I mean, if you were to look at the, the Sermon on the Mount, this message that Jesus gave by the Sea of Galilee, looking down on those waters, there's a, there's a mount you can go to. We, many of us went to it a couple of years back, actually just last year, a um, little before last year. We went, it's called the Mount of Beatitudes. You can kind of get a sense of where the disciples and all these, these crowds would have been and how Jesus would have talked overlooking the beautiful pastels of the Sea of Galilee. But these words, they just kind of live on through time. In the message itself, there are things that many of us would recognize. You had, you had things like the Beatitudes, and Jesus talks about the attitudes that are, we are to embrace, right? The beautifuls, the Beatitudes. You know, the blesseds, as they're called. Blessed are, blessed are. And he gives that. He, in that message, he includes the Lord's Prayer. Everybody's heard of the I mean, that's in that same message. There's also things like, you know, the, the golden rule. You, someone says, well, what's the goal? You know, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. That's essentially part of his message. I mean, it's filled with all, and there's a lot of other really amazing things that he says. It's almost like you're looking at this mountain range, and it's got certain peaks that just step out and, and demand our attention, and people have marked those peaks for generations. And, but if you were to look at the very, very farthest one that stands out, the one at the very end of the message, it would be the one that we're about to look at. And it's right here. And it's his conclusion. It's the, the, the final peak, if you will, that we are gazing at. And it's really what the Lord tells us is the essential about building a life. And so if you can, let's look at this together. Matthew 7, 24, the words are in your handout, follow along. The scripture here, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus said, and does them will be like a wise man, a wise person, a wise man, a wise woman who builds their house on a, on a rock. And the rains fell, Jesus said, and the floods came. And it's just this like, you know, storm whips up. And it's, it's so powerful. He says, and the winds blew and they beat on the house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. And then Jesus says, 
And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, though, will be like a foolish one who built their house on the sand. And when the rain falls and the floods come, the winds blow and it beats against that house. It's going to fall. And how great is that fall? And again, imagine if you were part of that listening audience, if we were part of that listening audience and we were there and Jesus was saying all these things and he comes to this point and this is, this is the place where he goes and great was the fall of it. It just and, and then he says, nothing. That's his word. That's how he ends the message. And great is the fall of it. And there, it's in their mind's eye. The whole thing collapses. End of story. And that's how, and, and, and again, it's a reminder as we sit here at the outset of the year of, of things, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's like, Jesus is saying, if you build your, your, listen, if you build your life on anything other than me, in the end, it will not last. So I, I've got a couple of things I'm going to be putting up on the board. I'm doing it a little differently. I'm not going to put them all towards the end. I'm gonna, I want to just put this one up to start with. And this is especially for those of us who take the notes and talk about it in our small groups and things like that. Or just write, write and ponder. But our life is like a house is being built. One of the things Jesus is telling us here, and it's a suggestive and compelling metaphor. I want you to think about it. He's saying your life is like a house being built stone by stone, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, until we run out of years. You know what's interesting? Take it for what it is. I shared this message twice already. This message at 10.30, it went all the way to the Reardon campus. But in between the message that was shared at 10.30 service and now, somebody came up to me in the middle, in the middle space. And again, we have, I, I, I'm stunned by the things we've been wrestling with here in the scripture. You're going to see it. And they said to me, Pastor, did you hear the news? I said, what? They said, uh, Kobe Bryant just died. And, exactly. That's what I, that's what I said in a helicopter crash. And I was stunned, just like some of us evidently are very stunned, because he was a cultural icon. And I said, are you sure, are you sure? And they went back there and everybody's showing me different stuff and, and um, it seems to be true. I, and I guess that catches our attention because one, for us, he's so well known. Two, it seems as if, how could that happen to someone, you know, 40, I think 41 years old? And it, it can't, things like that, capture our, like, they, they actually, it hits us sometimes in ways. Now, we, none of us, it's like, it's a reminder of sometimes the illusion of what really matters in life and how sometimes we misprioritize what's really important and that what Jesus taught us about what was truly life and actually the most important things really does show up at certain times when we're forced to look at it for what it is. And so it makes everything that we're about to look at here even more meaningful to me. I look at this and I say, our life is like a house being built. We're all builders. We're a work in progress, essentially. And so it asks the question, what kind of house are we building? I'm talking about our life. What kind of house are we building? Is the emphasis on the right place? Right? Will it endure? Will it, is it built to last? Can it carry us into the next life? across the great divide. 
Is that house capable of doing that? Um, there are, are real questions that we need to ask and ponder. For life as Jesus taught us is more than food and raiment, more than experience and entertainment, and more than power and achievement. I'll say that one more time. Life as Jesus taught us is more than food and raiment, more than experience and entertainment, and more than power and achievement. Look, what, look at the other side of the column in the handout there, Matthew 6, 31. He said this at the, in the middle midsection of his message. He says, therefore, in light of this, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? He said for the Gentiles, he's talking about, in, in this case, he uses the Gentiles to talk about the, the cultural pace setters, the ones who set culture. They seek after all these things. But your heavenly father, he knows what you really need. He knows that you need them all. But I tell you, Jesus said, don't get stuck in the wrong place. Don't, make, don't put the accent in the wrong place. But I tell you, seek first the, the kingdom of God. The, seek first the, the loving realm of the Lord and his righteousness. Do what is right in his eyes. Then all these other things, they will fall into their place in your life. But, but make sure we're focusing on the right things. A very different message than what we hear. You know, it's so easy. And by the way, I look at that again at 31st verse. Do not be anxious. Man, do we live in an anxious time? I mean, a lot of us, a lot of people. You know, because I have a lot, a lot of different people who have different things that they're having to struggle through in life, frequently anxiety is one of those things, isn't it? And we see this happen a lot. I mean, I'm around now more and more. I mean, I'm reading about it all the time, how anxious sometimes people are. We have so much technology and so many things that you would think, oh, you know, we've got a lot of nice things and all kinds of things that people can have. And, and yet you would think that in a time as prosperous and as amazing as like this one, that people would be more at peace, but they're less at peace. And I'm reading more and more about how people are crippled with anxious thoughts and a lot of pain. And there's a reason why people get, we get into addictive habits. A lot of, a lot of times it's just it's the culture invites us into these places and we get stuck, right? The Lord is reminding us not to be anxious, not to have anxiety. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm reading about it and I'm going, Lord, what's going on here? I mean, people are getting, just trying to, like, th this shouldn't be this kind of epidemic. Why are people taking their lives? Why, why are we, why, are, why is there so many anxious and stressed out and needing medication? And it's just like, it seems like an epidemic in the culture at a time when the culture is so prosperous and has so much. And yet it seems like there's so much struggle to have peace of mind. And one of the things God talked about, one of the things Jesus taught us was that he had come to give us peace with God. Yes, a relationship with him at peace to settle that. Peace with one another, relational capacity, and then peace of mind. And this is a culture gripped with a lack of peace of mind. And God wants to teach us how to have a faith that is really able to, to sort of like walk through things. Remember I talked about it last week. I said the Lord wants to teach us how to have a highly adaptive faith that is capable of exceptional resilience, right? That is able to take and deal with things in ways that doesn't just destroy us. And beat us down. I, I think a lot of times when we, when what happens is when we, we, you know, we, we look at this passage and we go, the Lord is reminding us, don't grip so hard. It's, I mean, I look at it, he says, eat, drink, what you wear. 
I mean, the Lord isn't saying, you know, if you really want to be, you know, spiritual, then, you know, uh, just don't even think about what you're eating and don't even bother with hygiene and, you know, <laughs> you know, forget your clothes. It doesn't matter. He's not like saying, hey, the, the uttermost spiritual thing is like a, you know, someone who's just totally could care less about everything. He doesn't say that. He's just saying, don't let those things be where the accent of your life is, right? He's not saying it's wrong to exercise or take your vitamins or, you know, want to take care of yourself. He's just, nothing, even, nothing wrong with achieving and pursuing a goal and, and trying to, to uh, even, even acquiring things. There's nothing wrong with that. He wasn't, he wasn't saying that, that, that those things are, you know, uh, how we say, illegitimate. What he was saying was don't make that the, the sum total of your, don't make that the, the biggest thing in your life. Don't get stuck and think that's real life when it's not. Those things will pass away. I, no matter what I do, I can't, I can't keep this body. It's going to leave. I'm going to leave it. It's a tent. Can't last forever. Not like this. We all, I, look, I can, I can scrape and I can, I can be the best investor ever. I can achieve power and resource. I can have multiple assets everywhere. I'm not taking them with me. In fact, I don't even know how they're going to end up being used. I have no real, I can think I have a say, but I really don't. I don't control anything. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is reminding us, don't get stuck. Don't get consumed. Don't get stuck on the things that are mine. They're not all bad. They're just minor compared to the major. What is the major? Your relationship with God. That's what he's saying. That's the one you need to give attention to. Build your life on a true foundation. I mean, I'm looking at that, and I'm saying, Lord, remind me of that. It's not to be like the culture defines success. No way. It's as the Heavenly Father defines it through Christ. And when we do that, when we do it his way, life works better anyway. I've seen a lot of unhappy people who have a lot of things. And I'm not against things. Just don't worship things. I'm not against power and achievement and fame. We, but let's not worship that as the supreme goal of life. It will pass. We have a living illustration today. This is a fragile thing, our life. But let's shift back to the metaphor. Because we're talking about the ecology of God. Right? The way he set up things. His, you know, it's, God's ecology is as real as our ecosystem. The stars above, the planets, and the, gravity, and the law of gravity. It's real. It works. It works. And it's, it's interesting because Jesus is describing it like this. He says, there, your life can be one of two things. It's going to be like two, two houses are being built, he says. One's on a foundation of sand. One's on a rock. It's, and, he, and it's easier to build on sand than on a rock but sand gets washed away, rock not so much. C.S. Lewis, in one of the great books ever, for anyone who's truly seeking after God, this book, Mere Christianity, this is what he said to Mere Christianity. I asked if they could put it up. He said, there are a lot of things you can do with sand, but don't try to build a house on it. That's so simple, but so good. Oh, you know the context that he was making? If you actually read the context, He's talking about relationships. And he's saying, you need to be thankful for the special people in your life and honor the ones that have made the most significant contribution and who, have, who are your greatest blessing. But he says, but never try to substitute them for God because they're human. 
I mean, if you want to get the, the fast, the context of that statement is about being careful about making a relationship more than it's supposed to be. So think about, even in the context of what we're talking about, things, don't put things above God, but also people, too. Even people we love, respect, admire. No, no one's supposed to take the place of the Lord. Nor can they. We will set ourselves up. That is built, listen to me, that is building on sand. That doesn't mean don't value our most beautiful relationships. I say far from that. We were taught by Jesus to love them and to love well. But in the end, the rock is Christ. He or she who hears these sayings of mine and does them, this is the one I will liken them to, the one who builds their house on a rock. So here I'll put this up there. The key to our success in life is always connected to our foundation. What is our life built on? And what did Jesus teach us, you guys? He said basically this, that if we build our life on the rock, then we are going to be highly resilient people. Because remember what he says? When the storms hit, the storm, he said the wind and the rain, it's like a typhoon coming. Like it's just, it's like he heading your way. He says, when the and you know it and I know it. If, and I don't, some of us are very young in life and some of us have lived many decades, but you know what? We all know this. Storms hit. Life. Things hit us out of nowhere. Some things we see coming, and we have time to prepare a little bit for it because we sense it's coming. Other things, we didn't see it, and it hits us hard. And what, what happens when that happens? Because in life, it will happen. I was, I was preparing for another like, message I was wanting, think, I'm thinking about doing. I want to I put something together around the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I was reading it. I was talking to my wife Cheryl about it. I said, you know what's interesting? It's because... That, the way Jesus describes that story, there's this man on the road to Jericho, and he's walking around the bend, the, the, the Samaritan, and he turns the corner of this road, and all of a sudden he sees, sees a man bloody, half dead on the side of the road, and he has to make a decision as Jesus describes it. On this day, he didn't know on this day what was coming around the bend, hitting him with life, but at that moment, that day changed, and he had to make a decision. Life hits us unannounced. I don't always know what's going to hit. I tell you this. This year, I had a plan in my mind. I shared with you my plans in some ways. And yet, when, they, when it started to play itself out, stuff I didn't see coming started coming from the left and the right, and it altered my plan. Storms hit. Crises hit. What are we building when it hits? What we build when it's not stormy, it matters a ton when the storm hits. It may be a relational storm. It may be a personal thing inside of us, a crisis that hits us, that rocks our world, shakes us. I don't know. I come on around the bend, and all of a sudden I'm looking at it, and I'm going, what am I going to do about this? Right? In those places, what we're building, the, the thing, it matters a whole lot, a whole lot. Look, okay, take this one out. I put this, this is the same message that Jesus was giving, Sermon on the Mount. Look what he said here. You, some of us have heard this, read this verse before. We're looking at, it means even more today, I guess. Do not lay up for yourselves, Jesus said, treasures on earth where moth and rust, they can corrupt. Thieves can break in and steal it. No, I tell you, 
Be rich towards God and lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can, can decay it and thieves can't break through and steal it from you. No, not even the turn of an economy. Nothing. Not even any, nothing. Where, look at this. For where your treasure is, where your truest sense of treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. And Jesus was reminding everybody that the things that we are to challenge the things that we build our life on. This is not an anti-wealth statement. It's not an anti-ambitious statement. But rather what he is saying is where is the accent of our life? Where is our real sense of security, our truest sense of identity? The other things, we cannot hold them indefinitely. <sighs> are we compassionate? Are we generous? Are we lovers of God? Do we love our neighbor? What do we love most? Does our life line up with what we say we love most? Are we trying to grow? Are we cultivating a vital optimism? Are we serious about growing in the Lord? Is there a growing edge to our life? Are we learners? Are we want to be a blesser? Are we want to be better? We're trying to challenge things in our own heart. Are we not just simply conceding territory, but trying to grow as a man or a woman? See, this is important in the Lord. These things matter. This is huge, right? And again, I look at this and I go, oh, God. Right? And what did Jesus teach us here? Hearing, listen, is not enough. What did he say? Doing. Look at that. Hearing is good, but it is not enough. Doing is required, Jesus says, or it won't work right. If I simply know the principle and admire it from afar, it won't work right. It has to be implemented. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, I think it was the late Keith Green, who was a poet, writer, singer, when I was just a teenager. And I remember I was so excited to go to one of his concerts. And I remember because he would say stuff and sing. And, and I remember I was at this one, one time where I got to see him. And he was in this church, but it was, I, was, I was just enjoying what he was saying. And then all of a sudden he says, the most neglected word in the Bible is a two-letter word. And I said, is that word? It's a two-letter word. Do. I said, ah, yes, yes. And I don't mean that we're always going to get it right. Earnestness, sincerity, right intentions, as good as they are, cannot carry the day God wants us to not just be hearers, but doers. But again, the Christian life is gritty. I'm, I'm, it's designed to be lived out. You wrestle. You know, I've never seen any growth that happens easy. Even the, think about the image of a seedling coming through the ground. They, you ever see those ones that they do in like slow motion time? Um, you know, where they just, I don't even know the, remember the word, right word for it, but it's, it's you, they are able to, all of a sudden, you see the seed push through. The seedling pushes the soil, pushes out of the soil. Right? And... And I'm reminded of that growth requires something breaking. There's a breaking. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's growth. That's like God wanting to grow new things in you and me. You see it in your soul? Growing out of the ground. A new thing. Ah, you know, 
it, and, and, and that means being honest about flaws and failures and sins and not just, just speaking a good game, but really being honest about where I'm at with the Lord and wanting to grow and be around others who want to get better and praying for one another, confessing my faults, one, being honest about things God's trying to correct me on. I'm, I'm being, you know what? I was, this happened to me on a couple of days ago. It's Friday. Now this is, it's not like real bad or anything like that, but it's so. But I, I, I totally mishandled the situation. And I don't know why I did it, but I just way overreacted. I said, I just got, I got angry. I, you know what? It's one of those things where, and maybe you can relate, while you're doing it, you know you shouldn't be doing it. And you're asking yourself, why am I doing this right now? <laughs> and yet, my pride, whatever of my past patterns kicking in, and knowing at the same time, I'm gonna have to come back around and own this with the person that I love. I'm in the wrong, and Lord, I, can know, I know you know this. And I'm failing you right now, and I just don't like what I'm doing. But that's about being honest with yourself in Christ, right? That's about trying to say, Lord, I wanna wrestle to get better. I want to be better. I'm not going to like give myself a pass. I, I want to, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give myself a pass. I need to go be humble. I need to humble myself. And I don't even know why this is so hard for me to humble myself, but it is. And I'm going to do it because I love you. And that's why I'm going to do it. And I know that if I don't own certain things, they're going to have power over me. And I don't want them to have power over me, so I'm going to go own it. And I'm going to ask for forgiveness. And that's what we do. And it's part of like, like, you know, living out our life in Christ, building our life on the rock is something that is going to require an authenticity uh, that is going to show up in the everydayness of our life. And that's what we talk about living out our, that's our mission, that's our church mission statement, right? To live out our faith in Jesus and invite others into life with him. Well, living out my faith in Christ, it, that, that, that requires effort and tension and, and a commitment, on my part. And, and if I do that, then God's going to open up stuff for us. Like all of a sudden now I'm part of a great adventure. And every turn on the road at some, some time has a potential opportunity to, to, for something to show up that I wasn't seeing because God sets up a divine appointment. I had a situation, a neighbor who I've never probably talked to for, I don't know, much beyond high, high and low for years. I ended up yesterday, I was in my car, I had ended up having a two-hour conversation that I had to end. And I was thinking about that. I was going, what happened here, Lord? And we were, it was just, if nothing else, there was conversation. And in it, through it, around it, I could talk a little bit about the Lord. Not a lot. But then I was in the, the Cornerstone Cafe area. And if some of you haven't noticed, there's this wall there from Vision Sunday where we had the, the sow water reap and the names of people that many of us wrote down that we wanted to see God work in their life. And we took a piece of pen, we took a pen and one of those stickers and we took that and we wrote their name down. We said, by faith, I pray into this person's life. And I was just looking at it before the nine o'clock service and I was looking at it and all of a sudden in my mind, it was, what did you do yesterday? Now I'm getting ready for the message. And I was thinking, well, what I did yesterday was I had a conversation with the neighbor. And then I looked at the board and I looked at the piece of paper and I said, I'm supposed to write his name down and put it on that wall. And I did, by faith in Christ. Your name, my friend, is on the wall. 
you know what? When our foundation is firm, we can extend our reach. Well, one of the things I'm trying to do this year, and these, a lot of us got the, the So Water Reap wristbands uh, at the Vision Sunday. If you lost yours, you don't have one, you didn't get one, you can pick, there's, we've, got a, we've got some left, you can have one. one of, this is just a goal that I'm doing. I'm inviting you to want to join me if you're interested. Every Sunday that I come, I'm going to try to wear this for the entire year. I'll probably have to wash it a few times. I agree with that. I'm not saying But I'm going to try to do it as a reminding mechanism of what I want to see God do in my life. I want to encourage some of you to jump in with me on this. We're basically one month down, so we've got 11 months to go. So water reap, a reminder of what we want to see God doing, not only in our church, but in our own heart. Seeds being sown, watered, and reaping a harvest that's going to bless many people. The last thing I'll say, and it's this, and we'll put it up there, that there should be, if we're serious about it, one of the things we're going to, when it comes to a building plan, we need to have a daily, weekly, and seasonal building plan. And I'm going to leave up the next piece for a, a little longer in case you want to take a shot of it, or because it's going to be a little bit more extensive. But let me tell you how I understood this, and I'm going to leave it with all of you. But you can see this. I think for anybody who's serious about building a life in Christ, it's going to have some of these components in it. There needs to be a dailiness in it. As Jesus taught us, give us this day our daily bread. The Christian life that is being built on the rock has a daily component to it. Day by day, a little at a time. So the Lord is on my mind at different parts of the day. It may not be all the time, clearly, but there are moments where he's not that far away and he can interrupt my mind. And my periodic, you know why? Because it's a relationship. And a relationship that shows up in a daily way. It's one of the reasons why we started Rise and Shine was to sort of help create a, a mechanism for everyone to sort of engage. And people are using that and some are reading their word and, and getting more into the scriptures and doing devotionals and training with other people. But we're growing on a daily basis trying to make sure that I'm not living my life like disconnected from the Lord. The Lord is, he's not on the margin. He's in the center. Not on the margin. And then on top of that dailiness, because Jesus said it, and the apostle said this, didn't he? Though my outer man is perishing, though my outer person is perishing, yet my inner one is renewed day by day. Is that happening? Please, Lord, let me spend a little time with you every day. And may, you, may your thoughts be on my mind. Always keep him on your mind. Right? And, and weekly, like we're doing now, the one in seven, but, but a time, you know what you're doing, right? You know what we're doing? We're worshiping, yes. But we're also looking at our life. We're reminding ourselves, we're reassessing. We're, we're honoring the Sabbath principle. God set it in motion. Think about it with the, with the, with the nation of Israel. He gave them things that they weren't to do. And then he said, but make sure you do this. Like your life is not defined just by work and activity. Make room to look at your life and look at me through the lens of rest and recreation. Create space, just like you're, I mean, that's what we're doing. It's why it's a building block of the healthy Christian life is gathering together in the one in seven. And we pause to make space, and I hope we carry that out a little bit and push it further and we're thinking about our life and our priorities. We're, taking, we're making room for long thoughts and saying, God, search me. Look in my heart. Is there something you're trying to bring to my attention? And then that connects to the other piece there. What is it? You see it. What is the seasonal thing that God is trying to do? What season are we in? Sometimes 
we, are, we get a sense that we've transitioned in life to a new season, or we may feel or know that we're about to go into a new one. Every season has its unique opportunities and focus points in the Lord. There are purposes that God is trying to achieve in our lives at particular seasons of our life. Some seasons are far more selfless. Others are more giving. Others, like I think of a young parent, I mean, they're just, that's a selfless season where the children become a priority of that season. Other times it has to do with, with creating things that can bless. I, mean, I, I can go on and on and on about what is a seasonal assignment that God's, sometimes God's saying this season, you are to work on this area of your character as a priority. Like this pattern that's been passed down to what I was talking about earlier, that when the heat is on, just like, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Like there are things that God's trying to say, you know what, this is the season where I want that to kind of come to a close or be managed a whole lot better than how it's been. And I'm calling you to a new dimension of increase and growth and expansion in your life with me. And in order for that to happen, you're going to have to train and set up your life and reposition it in a different way. And that's going to require thinking long thoughts and assessing and being prayerful and looking at the things that really matter. Again, we have all kinds of time. I know it. I know I'm not, I'm going to be, we, we have time to be entertained, but this is like real life. It's not the game. It's even more important. It's real life. It's more important even than work. It's the, according to Jesus, you get to, we get to choose if we want to line up with him or not. It's the most important thing. And in the, think about it, in a life, I have an arc. My life has an arc. Sometimes that arc is shorter than what people think it should be. Sometimes it's long. But in it, we have an opportunity to honor God with it. What are we going to do? I'll leave it with this. I was telling my wife, I said, for some reason last night, I said, I'm thinking of Victor Hugo. And what he said, what was that thing he said? Winter, and then it came, winter, he said, is on my head. He was an old man. He said, winter is on my head, but spring, eternal spring is in my heart. And I said, well, hon, she goes, well, winter isn't on your head. I said, but it's on my beard. It's on my beard. <laughs> and I said, winter is on my beard. And no, I didn't say that. But it's, it, the idea was, but I want spring in my heart. I want that for you too. Hey, let's pray. And then... We, we have a quick time of giving, and that final song was just meant for us to, to just draw a little bit these, these thoughts together. Lord, we, we come into this, this closing, these closing minutes honoring you, yes, but also just bringing our thoughts and mind together and to just enjoy and contemplate the, the, even the song that we're sharing, this final word. It's bringing us to a place where we can sit with what we've, what we've since you've been trying to say to us. And so let's not be in a hurry. Let's just finish this well. Um, we ask for your blessing. Bless our, our time as we close the service. Thank you for what we've shared. Keep us young in our hearts, Lord. In love with you. In Jesus' name, amen, God. Amen.